Hello and welcome to the uh, Masonic Improvement Podcast. I'm Dennis Yates and I am your host this evening. Tonight, we have the pleasure of interviewing Brother George Moxley. Uh, Brother George is uh, making himself available for the for the Grand South this year. Um, but we're not we're not here to politic. We we just want to uh, talk with George and get to know him. And and uh, I got to tell you, with uh, with his bio, it, wow, wow, brother George, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. We have a we have a few different. Uh, questions that we always ask our our um, participants and so i'm gonna i'm going to go with some generic questions and then we will um i'd like to talk about a couple of the resolutions that are that are coming up in in grand lodge and and kind of get your feel for that and and just kind of go with the flow and 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 get to know you because you know there's so many things about you and and your personal and masonic uh legacy that is it, it's just amazing and i think i think you should have been telling people about all these things you know a long time ago i'm sure most of your brothers around you know but me i'm i'm just a young pup so i'm I'm getting to know for the first time and it's exciting and and I'm very happy to have you on the show. So George, why did you, why did you join Freemasonry? What was your initial decision? I don't, I don't know as much as joining it. I I was kind of drawn to it through, uh, through our family ties to Masonry. I'm a sixth generation Mason. Um, Wow. I remember my dad, uh, going to the Masonic meetings and uh, they'd have family nights. We'd go up there with him and it was uh, it was a big deal. And I met a lot of good men that he, you know, he was associated with in the Masons. And uh, I, I liked what was going on. I liked what I heard about them. And of course, we didn't have the internet and all back there to go Google all this stuff. But um you know, meeting some of the guys that he, he's been with for quite a while. A lot of the guys that uh, were in the lodge were uh, working on the newspaper. He worked for the Austin newspaper as a pressman, and they all had this, were all in this lodge together. And uh, I just wanted to be part of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did. It's, it's, been a, it's been a great, I've been a Mason for 47 years, and I've wow. loved every minute of it, you know, and, um, it's it's just been part of my life for over half my life and uh i've done a lot of things in it and i've enjoyed doing everything that i've done and i want to keep doing things and do more very nice 47 years that's that's a lot that's something to be celebrated right there you've 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 seen you know we we all hear about these changes you know that that need to happen these these things that that you know, go on. You've seen different changes. You've seen the different generations of, of Masons come in and out of the, the fraternity. That is, that's magnificent. That, that, that is awesome. That, that brings a new perspective that, that you young guys out there, 
you know, pay attention. <laughs> well, uh, you know, both both my sons and my son-in-law are Masons, and they're past masters of our lodge. And uh, so it's it's been a it's been quite a journey. But uh, you know, I got to uh, do all three of their degrees. Um, I got to install all three of them as master of the lodge, which was quite an experience. Very nice. Uh, unfortunately, my father passed away before they got in. I wish he'd have been there because he would have, he would have been proud of that. But uh, it's been, it's been a family thing and we've got a 18 year old grandson. We wait and see what he might do. So he could be generation number eight, I guess. <laughs> Very nice. My, um, my younger son is is wanting to. My older son is is he wants to, but he's he's got his young family and and. But my younger son he he's he's um he's he's young and full of ambition and and so he's you know he's prime for the picking. I I'm gonna introduce him to Hillcrest Lodge one of these days soon. I think that his personality will fit in real well with, with the brothers over there. Um, So going back to your, your humble beginnings, how did the reality of Freemasonry compare with your expectations? Well, I don't know that I really had any expectations going in because I really didn't know that much about it other than what I'd seen with my dad. But uh, the reality is it's a great, great organization. They do great things. And I want to be part of that. I want to be uh, able to help, help the lodges do great things and the grand lodge do great things. And all the charities that we have, I'm just, uh, I'm just proud to be part of it. What about, how do how do you feel about, um, the education that you've learned, the different degrees and things like that. Did, did you really have any aha moments or, or just times when you were just completely dumbfounded by what, what you, what you saw and, and were like, man, I have arrived. Is it? Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've had an esoteric certificate since 1977. And, um, the gentleman that taught me my work, taught me all the lectures, told me, he says, I'll teach you the lectures, but you're going to learn the long form. So that was uh, kind of an aha minute, trying to uh, learn all the long form lectures, and especially the Philograph lecture. But I did, and uh, I still do the long, I usually do long form EA and masters, the Philograph's a long, long form. So I haven't done that one too much lately, but I really enjoy the esoteric work. Uh, I'm a, I'm a ritualist. I love I love the esoteric work, and uh, I'm always trying to improve on it and uh, help other people improve on it. You know, I've, I've been a district instructor now for seven years, and I, I thoroughly enjoy that going to the lodges and helping them. You know, with the with the work and how the not just the wording but the movements. You know, the movements are really important in these degrees. And uh, I've noticed that uh, coming to graded degrees with the Committee on Work, that the lodges lose more points in movement than they do in words. 
you know, so I like to work with them and make sure they're getting all these movements that the video work wants them to do. But that's, and that's, that's been a lot of fun for me. It's been a real passion of mine to teach people the esoteric work and, and the degree work and how it's supposed to be and how right. the comedian work wants it to be. Being a, a, a police officer in your, in your past life, I can definitely understand where, you know, you, you appreciate the structure and the, and the, uh, the, the sharp lines and the, and the 90 degrees and all that. It's, and, and, you know, it, it does make a difference and it, and it, the sharper image makes for a, for a better, a much better degree in my opinion as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I did, uh, I did police work for 40 years. So yeah, I've got that background in there and I want things done right. But, Absolutely. Uh, I, I'll have fun everywhere to go. You know, I've, I've talked to people a lot and about, you know, leadership when, this past year traveling with the officer leadership team and, and, and helping with, with the different functions there. I, I talked to a lot of, of brothers and, and told them, you know, really when you're looking for, for solid members to become officers, look to your ritualists because your ritualists, they like it right. They, they know there's a reason for it. They like it right. They want it to, it's, it's not just about the presentation of opening and closing lodge, but just the fact that they, they plan for it, they prepare and then they execute. And I think that our, our strongest officers have that same, that same mentality. I agree. So I, I uh, commend you on, on having that certificate for so long. I, I've been lazy about it. I probably need to. I participate in in a lot of degrees, and I do a lot of different parts. But, but um, I'm I'm that guy that I I don't say I don't need a certificate. That's not important. I don't say that because I don't believe that. I think that that there's just like each degree, it's a rite of passage, and and you've earned it, and you deserve it, and you should have it. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing we need to get some of these, especially some of these younger guys, is get them to go to a lot of these forums that the Camille work put on. Those are yes. Great. We have a lot of fun with them. Uh, I've been to forums with, I think, just about all the committee members. But uh, they have a lot of fun doing them. It's not just, you know, strictly by the book here. You know, let's have some fun. You make mistakes, you make mistakes. But that's what you're there for is to learn. Absolutely. You need, you need those people to go to these forums and, and try to take the exams, even if you just go for a class C. You know, when I when I got my first uh, few degree uh, esoteric certificates, there was no A, B, and C. You learned it all. Wow. And uh, so it was uh, it was a lot to lot to do to get those certificates. But you know, and I don't have a problem with the A, B, and C certificates. I think that's great. But uh, I think I think we need to get more people involved in the in the uh, forums and learn to open and close the lodge. You know, I've been to lodges all over this state, and you know we need to make sure that we're doing the, doing the work and doing it right. Absolutely, and and I go every time Keith comes down, I'm I'm there, and 
I would like to go to other lodges and, and do those forms as well. But I, I tend to um, overbook myself all the time. <laughs> and, and so, so I have to, I have to make my, make my choices, but, but Keith Reynolds, it, it's one of my favorite times is for when he comes down to Victoria and, and our district, they all get together and we usually have a good 20 or 30 people show up and, yeah. And, and, but I think the main reason I do it is because brother Mike Calhoun, one of, one of my friends and mentors, you know, he, um, he chews on my, my tail all the time when we're doing our practices. And, yeah. and so I love it when, when Keith, you know, gets on to him and, and, uh, I get to sit back and watch. I like to be that yeah. fly on the wall. So no, Keith Reynolds, keep doing what you're doing. You're yeah. doing a great job. I just want you to know that. He, he does do a great job. He makes yes. a lot of fun. Yes. So what are the strengths and weaknesses of our fraternity? I mean, we all, we all know every, every organization has their weaknesses. Um, I don't know. We, we know what most of the weaknesses are. A lot of it is uh, getting new members. A lot of it is retaining the new members. Um, but I think our problem is with getting new members is we're not we're not marketing ourselves enough. I mean, the shrine, they do a fabulous job of marketing themselves, you know, with the hospital and the, the parades they're in and all this, everything that they do. But a lot of people don't realize that the Shriners are Masons. Right. So we need to get more of the Blue Lodge and the, and the, the, the other appended bodies out more in the public, let them know who we are and what we're doing. Because these people don't, don't realize that, uh, there's other groups in here that are doing a lot of good things. Uh, the Shriners, you know, like I said, their hospital and their fezes and the parades and, and IHOP collected money and all this sort of thing. But uh, the Blue Lodges don't don't get out that like that. Um, our lodge, when we when they're having them, uh, Pflugerville, a little town just north of Austin, has a chili cook-off. We go out there and set up our tent, put up our banner and our masonic flags and cook chili and we don't win but we still have a good time when we talk to a lot of people about masonry and uh you know we get we get some good inquiries into it um but you know it, if you're not out there we try we try to uh at the veterans day parade they have a veterans day parade in austin up congress avenue yes and we get all the appendant bodies of the blue lodge up there and we get us a trailer and go up and down we didn't get to do it this year but uh, they they see that you know here's the blue lodge there's the shriners there's the york right there's the scottish right you know and the commanderies out there and the shriners got their little cars and their motorcycles so they can see that we're all one one big group i talked to one lady one time and she said she was probably in her early 30s maybe she said yeah my dad was a shriner and I says, yeah, what lodge do you belong to? Said, oh, he was just a Shriner. I said, no. <laughs> you know? So she, she didn't even know, you know. But And I think uh, we can get a lot more exposure to ourselves if we do do more outside. Uh, you know, the scholarships that we give out, they bring the family yes. into the lodge and they give the scholarships. I think that that's great. You know, the family comes in and they get to see the lodge and see what we do. But I think they ought to take a, 
take it a step further and go back to the school. And I think yes. some of are doing that, you know, and go to a PTA meeting or somewhere. You've got a big crowd and say, we're the Masons. We're giving these scholarships to these worthy students. And we do this all the time. So if you're interested in a scholarship, you know, keep in touch with us. But if you're just bringing them into the lodge, which is, don't get me wrong, that's great. But we need to get out more and let them know that we do this, you know, and uh, the uh, the Scottish Rite groups, you know, they, their hospital up there, I'm a trustee for the Scottish Rite Hospital. Uh, they need to make sure that they're advertising that uh, more, just like the Shriners are doing their hospital. Um, but we need, we need to just get out in the public more and let them know who we are. And I think another place that we can do that is at our Masonic funerals. I don't like going to a Masonic funeral and see three or four Masons there. Right. We need, we need a whole group of Masons at these funerals because we're there showing our respect for our deceased brother, our uh, willingness to help the family. But then you've got the extended family. You've got their friends are all out there. And I've had people come up to me at Masonic funerals and ask me about Masonry. Yes. And uh, I always tell the story about my dad's funeral and, uh, He's interred in a mausoleum, so there wasn't a whole lot of room. But I look over here, and there's like 50 Masons standing over there. You know, that made me really feel yes. proud to be a Mason. That all these guys came out to support my dad and my family. And uh, But the thing that impressed me the most was afterwards, my oldest son went over and talked to one of the guys that he knew over there in the Masons. And he asked him, he says, well, how, how can I get into this? He says, go ask your dad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, amen. he's been a he's been a solid member of our lodge ever since but you never know what it, you know these things are going to affect people people come up to me at a funeral and say man we didn't know y'all did all this stuff this is really really cool you know yes so we, we, again that's getting us out in the public and let the public know who we are and what we do and it really is the the mason's last degree exactly and and it's in it's the only public degree that that anyone ever sees and and if it's done well and and uh, and appropriate and especially if there's a lot of masons the the first funeral i ever went to up in um it was up in north texas when i was a member of st john's or i'm still a member of st john's but it was when i was an active member of st john's um there was a funeral in melissa and just a little country funeral but there was 30 or 40 masons showed up and that was the most impressive and most emotional experience I think that that I've ever I've ever had at a funeral was you're you're absolutely right. Those those trigger points are those are those are definitely areas where we can improve and 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 get ourselves out there. Yeah. It would be nice if if we had a resolution instead of having to ask the grandmaster for permission if we could wear our aprons in in uh in parades well we we do that in austin for our veterans day we get a dispensation to wear the aprons yes and uh you know so we we've got the aprons on and some of us instead of riding on the trail we get out and kind of walk along the street and and, and that's the crowd and exactly 
that's and that's another thing is you know you can have you've got your 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 shriners going in circles in their little cars and you can have masons with aprons like at the four corners or just kind of lined up you know around the outer edges and people know you're all one group i think that's an an excellent point that you brought up is keeping us all together as as um one known fraternity you know I, I describe sometimes as a, as a tree, you know, the blue lodge, that's the root of the tree. All yes. the dependent bodies are the limbs. The blue lodge dies out. All the dependent bodies are gone too, because that's where they're getting their members from. Yes. So, but we've got to keep the root strong and to keep the root strong, we've got to keep getting some more members in. Um, I know we're, we're kind of on a downhill, a little bit slide of losing more members than we're gaining, but you know, I mean, they've, uh, I think they raised like 750 master masons this year. And they, uh, so it's, we're, we're getting new members, but now again, we've also got to keep them. Right. And to keep them, you've got to make them, give them something of value, make, you know, meetings other than reading the minutes and paying the bills. You know, we talk about that all the time. Yes. But, uh, give them, give them what they want and make, and, especially the new EAs, give them something to do, you know, uh, set up, set up the lodge, help in the kitchen or whatever. Um, another thing I, I saw one time was uh, I was at a lodge and they were in the EA and this new EA gave, gave his uh, proficiency, did a good job on it. And they, uh, the treasurer had to leave early for some reason. I forgot what it was, but anyway, so we're getting ready to close, and I stood up about talking about, uh, you know, getting these young people involved in this thing. And the master was looking for somebody to pro tem the treasure spot, and he looks at me, he points at EA, he says, you're going to be our treasure for while we close. Nice. So he gets up, he goes and sits down, he's got this big old grin on his face, and he say, you, you got to put that collar on. And so he put that in, that grin got a little bit bigger, you know, they gave him a piece of paper, tell him what he's supposed to say. But, uh, you know, made feel like part of the lodge instead of right. turning your stuff in now, sit down and watch what goes on. And give him something right. to do like that, you know. And they, the young guys, they can pro tem other officers that don't uh, don't have speaking parts to marshal the master ceremonies, that sort of thing. But make them feel like they're part of the lodge. Give them something to do. And Absolutely. Kind of hopefully keep them in coming back. You know, that's a, that's actually a, a very, a very solid point. Um, bringing up the marshals and, and musicians and, and things of that nature. So many of us only have the basic officers. We don't, we don't have the marshal, the, the persuaven, or I, I guess we don't have a persuaven in, um, we don't have the, the uh, musician and, and other, other parts and, the master of ceremonies, which actually, I think, I, I wonder why we don't have master of ceremonies and marshals because they they organize events. That's their job is to organize and orchestrate the events. And, and it seems like we would have so much better events if we had people dedicated to that in, in those roles. And so that's a, that's a very, very valid point. And then you know, it's a perfect place for a young master that just comes in instead of throwing him in the real line or 
I, I say the real line instead of throwing them in the in the one that's fixing to you know take the steps. Yeah. Give them give them those seats. Let them you know feel it out. Give them something to do and and something to feel proud about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a very good point. I I also would like to piggyback on your on your statement of value. You know, that's something that Masonic Improvement um, really, really believes in is, is that we need to be well-rounded lodges and have more to offer because, you know, not everybody is a ritualist. Not everybody is an education guy. Not everybody's a, a charities guy. Not everybody is, you know, the cook, you know, so we need to be well-rounded. So it's, it's difficult to, to, to make men better if men are only sitting in their comfort zones. Yeah. We, we kind of get better when we stretch our limits and, and, and try to do new things. And, and if the lodge doesn't offer it, how can we, how can we as a body really get better? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We need, we need more, uh, we need more education on these things. We need excuse me, the uh, this year the they had the grand treasurer had a school for treasures. I thought that was good. The secretary had the secretary school. We need more of those. Yes. Uh, we need more of the the uh, leadership training for the masters and the incoming masters, so that these people know what what to expect when they get there and they're ready to take on the jobs. Yes, I've been secretary of our lodge for 13 years, so you know I've, I've almost got the secretary's job down. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know we need we need to have more education in, in those positions, so these people when they get up there, they know what what to do instead of just kind of fumbling around through the year and trying to figure it out as you go. And by the time your year's up, you might almost have it done. Right. But we need more education. And uh, I'm, I'm big on education. I, I like the education. I like the ritual. Uh, you know, just we need we need to keep up with with the education part of it. We need to keep up with the technology that we're getting into, like these podcasts. These are great, you know. But technology, you know, it's changing every day. So we need we need to. Uh, make sure that we're keeping up with the technology and the way you keep up with that technology is with these younger guys. They're the ones that are always on the phones on the, yes. IPads or what have you know, they know, they know this technology a whole lot better than I do. <clears throat> I have to get my grandkids to help me with my phone sometime, but uh, you know, so we need to, we need to make sure that uh, the younger generation coming in can work with the older generation because I mean, the older generation, you can't just, put them aside because that's where all the knowledge, the institutional knowledge yes. the history comes from is from the older Masons, but we need to make sure that the older Masons and the younger Masons can get together and sometimes agree to disagree, but right. at least come to, come to some understanding of what, what we need, what we're doing and what we need to do to make things better. Absolutely. It's like, it's like the committee on work. I mean, they don't always agree to, with each other, but, they meet and they finally come to a meeting that of the minds and everybody's okay. This is the way we'll do it. <clears throat> but uh, it's a it's something that they need to work on. Uh, the 
Grand Lodge, you know, they they stay busy. The trustees, I've been to, I think every trustees meeting for the last two, three years. So I started doing that just so I could find out about the inner workings of the of the uh, trustees and what they actually did. You know, I was amazed. I mean, they, they've got some tough decisions to make. And, uh, but they, uh, they do a good job and they, they're there for the, for the Masons of Texas. And that's kind of what I want to do as well. You know, be there to be part of that decision-making and, and come together and make everything kind of meld together and, and get better as we go along. Absolutely. You know, when you mentioned the, the younger guys appreciating the older guys and, and of course the older guys need to appreciate the younger guys as well and what they bring. And I, I myself, I'm actually in the middle and, but, but I have taken the position of, of, you know, some of the younger guys early on and, and kind of ruffled some feathers and, and, and I know, and, and that's okay. It's okay to push the boundaries every once in a while, but we have to remember that, you know, these guys held on to our institution for all this time. It wouldn't be there for us to, to partake if, if it wasn't for these guys. And we need to remember to, to honor and, and respect, you know, what, what they bring to the table. Well, sure. I mean, you know, you've got to remember the past because the past is what got us to the present. And right. This is what's going to get us through to the future. So it all it all blends together. And you right. And make it work. yes, and and maybe not everything did work out as well as it could have or should have, and and but but some things did, and so yeah. we we have to keep that in mind. It it seems like we're in such a divisive world these days of of extremes, and you're either for me or against me, and right in Freemasonry, we don't have, we shouldn't have that, that obstacle to, to change we or to, to go through. We, we've got, we meet upon the level, you know, we, right. we're able, we're able to talk and, and, and discuss different things with, without coming to, to, to blows and, and getting all upset about it and going home and, you know, you're dead to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, there's a few lodges out there that are in that position, and that's that's sad to see. Right, right. Well, we we um, I can the I can honestly say, if you're unhappy with your lodge, if you're unhappy with your current situation, there are lodges all over, and even. You know, especially in, in the big cities, I don't I just oh, couldn't yeah. imagine having that kind of, you know, exposure. But, you know, even in these little cities, it's only 30 minutes away for every lodge around me. I've got four or five lodges to go to. It's it's not that difficult to find a place you fit. Right. There's there's no reason to to uh, to be upset and stop coming. Find a lodge where you fit, you know. And that, that's what I tell people when they ask me about joining a lodge like in Austin. I tell them, well, there's eight lodges in the Austin area. And I tell them, go visit each one of them. Find the one that fits your personality because they've all got little 
different personalities or little quirks and things. Find right. one that you feel comfortable in and go visit several times and find what, what fits your comfort zone. And that'd be the dog's joint. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's extremely good advice in this era of change that, that we're going through and, and, um, you know, in some ways decreasing in some ways increasing, um, where do you see our, our current course taking us in the next 10, 20, 30 years? Well, I wish I had a crystal ball to answer that question. Mine's broke. Um, if you got one, I want to know the lottery numbers for this week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I think we're, I think we're on a good track. I think masonry is getting, getting a little stronger and we're, we're losing more than we're, we're gaining because we're having the masons from the forties and the fifties and all they're passing away. Right. Pretty soon the baby boomer is going to start passing away. So it's going to continue to, and there's a bunch of them. We'll never, I don't ever see us getting back to 250, 60,000 masons. Right. But I, I wish we could. But uh, I think I think we're doing okay. We're getting we're getting getting close. But uh, it's still going to take a while to get the numbers back up. And but we've just the main thing is we've got to get out there and get the people in. Then we've got to keep the people in. They. <coughs> Excuse me. The uh, like I said, they think they've raised uh, 650 new master masons this year, and that's even with COVID. So that's that's good. And they've they've had like 756 uh, master masons that they've reinstated, but then we've also lost uh, you know uh, 1,200 and some odd people. Because I I would get a printout from Grand Secretary's office. Uh, and you know they might have a page of new master masons. Then you turn the next page, and there's three pages of deaths. So it's just wow. back to life. But uh, it's uh, it's just going to have to keep going like we're doing. I think we're on the right track. We've just got to make it make it more appealing to people to come in and see what we, what we do and how it, how it goes. Right, right. And then, you know, the most important thing, as we've discussed, is is retention, retention, retention. You know, it's churn. Churn is a is a is a um, that's a big corporations game. We we need to retain what we have and, and solidify our fraternity as, you know, with with what we have. I, I, I agree with you that we may be losing more members and and ultimately we'll we'll thin out and and we'll have to probably merge more lodges together and and that's okay you know when when we were in our boom we we <coughs> built lodges but right. now we're we're not the lodge isn't isn't the fraternity you know it's hard because your heartstrings are attached to that lodge yeah. But if people would, if brothers would think about it before it got to the critical state, there would still be right. something there you could sell and make a nice, you know, contribution to the other lodge and and build it up to make it a magnificent lodge. You know, if we yeah. came together and did that. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's kind of like fundraising. You don't do a fundraiser when when it gets to where you have to, you do them 
before that so that you were building up money and all this stuff and it's kind of the same way with some of the lodges you know they wait till the last minute they try to do something and it's just it's too late right but, uh, i'd rather see these lodges merging with another lodge and they can keep their name they can hyphenate it you know so many of them are doing that nowadays but i'd rather much much rather see them merge than demise right it's absolutely keep, keep everything going yes yes and I'm, I'm not a uh, not really a quality uh quantity guy i'm more of a quality guy you know right and that's that's another thing that we need to work on is garden west gate and get quality people into the fraternity not just a guy comes in and visits one time and you hand him a petition out the door and that's that's not going to work um brother uh right worse larry trzinski is putting on a program now about how to do a good background investigation and if you haven't heard him do it you need to have him come out to your lodge and explain it to you because it's it's really interesting and he's got a lot of good information on uh, how to do good background investigations i mean i did background investigations on police officers for 15 12 15 years and uh you know ours is a whole lot more thorough i think than our the masons but we need to be more thorough in our our investigations and really check these people out and make sure we're getting quality guys instead right. of quantity someone told me not too long ago that they were told that which I, I believe it is lodge uh, law that we're not allowed to, the lodge is not allowed to do a background check on somebody through a computer or whatever, because of liability. And if it's wrong or whatever, then it, you know, it, it puts it, but in reality, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? And, and if you're, you know, I do it with my rental properties and, and so the only catch is with the state of Texas is that if I do this background check and, and they have a dispute, I have to provide a copy to them and say, this is, you know, this is it. This is why I made that decision. And then that way they can go to that company and dispute it and, and, and not just, you know, do it all willy nilly. There's procedures. Right. I, I wholeheartedly agree that, you know, the, there's nothing wrong with a background check. Why, why, if we're asking them not to <laughs> be felons of moral turpitude, why are we, why aren't we checking that? You know, yeah. check what, inspect what you expect. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and it's, it's the same way with people that are going back into the training have been now for a while. You know, I think they need investigations on them. Like they say, they've been out over three years. They need to look oh, yeah. at them. Right. I know what they've been doing. I, I heard that there was one uh, guy wanted to come back into masonry. He'd been down for like 20 years, but he spent the last 20 years in prison. So wow. you know, you've got to, you've got to watch out for these things. Yes. And that could have been prevented if the background check was done a little bit better. <laughs> right. and, you know, you can't just, you can't just meet them one time and, talk to him over dinner and decide, yeah, he's a good guy. You need to go out to his house and meet his family and see how he, how he lives his life outside of masonry, outside of his job. And uh, of course you need to, I also think they need to involve the spouses in these investigations, talk to them, let them know 
that's that I think is part of our problem. <clears throat> you need to go out and let these people know what to expect. Yes. Tell them, you know, if you get into this fraternity, there's some memory work that's going to have to again. Some of it, you know, you got 84 questions in the first degree that you're gonna to have to learn. It's gonna take some time. <coughs> so uh, they can uh, know what to expect before they get in there instead of just give them a petition, okay, come on in, we're initiate you. And then all of a sudden they figure out, wow, all this, nobody told me about this. Right. It's not something that I, that I talk about a whole lot, but you know, when I, when I first joined, um, I was a little bit overwhelmed with, um, with work and, and trying to, to stay, you know, involved and, and get my work done. And, and, um, you know, I came to that year and it was like, Whoa, what, what am I doing? So I, fortunately I, I, uh, buckled down and, and really got it all done in three months. And I'm thinking, well, why did I even wait? (laughs) And that, that's a sad thing is that if you really buckle down and, and try to make it a systematic approach, just like when you were in high school or college, then, you know, you can, you can overcome pretty easily. It's, it's not, it's not beyond, you know, capability. Obviously it's not beyond anyone's capability. So going back to our, our, our weaknesses, you have mentioned our, our learning from each other and, and, uh, and the numbers, you know, dwindling a little bit, and we need to overcome that and retain. Are there any other areas where where you feel like we can we can start improving on? And and where do you where do you think that Grand Lodge would help or or hinder those efforts? Well, again, you know, the education is a big part of it. You know, and Grand Lodge uh, can give them the information, but you got to get the lodges to use it. You know, there's, there's all kinds of uh, programs they've gone through. I think several of these grandmasters programs need to be revived. That in the last several years, you get a new grandmaster in, the other grandmasters program's gone and his comes in. But there's several of them that uh, need to be need to be carried on and maybe tweaked a little bit. But let's we need more education. Uh, I think that's that's a big part of it. I, I agree. You know, that that's one of the things that our lodge has, has started and, and uh, we look to carry it on as long as we can afford it. And of course we'll see what the, what the investment returns are. But um, during when, when I, well, let's go back before, before um, our lodge would always give uh, an endowment to the past master, to the junior past master, or offer to pay for half of the endowment or whatever. And so um, in my year, I, I, at the end of my year, I said, you know, I, I don't need an endowment. So how about if, if we, you know, put that towards education. And then fortunately um, the, um, the, now junior past master scott mcmahon he did the same thing and and i i have a feeling that our our next one will as well and and um 
you know, our lodge is, is investing in, in our, in our growth more um, assertive than, than passive. In, instead of, in student, instead of thinking about after the fact, thinking right. about doing it before beforehand so that we can yeah. you know build up those programs that you're talking about and it's the same way with with grand lodge it's you know lodges work a lot like grand lodge and oh, yeah you know that, business. yeah you know? And, and, and then they need to learn how to how to manage their business efficiently so they can keep going you know yes and especially uh we need more educational finances for these lodges how to make a budget and how to stick to it. Yes. You know, things like this, because that's what's hurting a lot of these lodges. And, uh, you know, they get some of these lodges that, you know, 80% of their members are endowed. Well, that's the endowment program was a good idea, but, and it's still a good idea, but you get lodges like that, you have income coming in if you're not going to let them pay per capita at least. You know, when we do ours, I send a note even to the endowed members ask them at least you can pay the per capita so we keep this going keep going but uh, yes it's uh it's, it's just it all comes down i think to educating the people and how to how to run the lodges how to manage the lodges the, the trustees can't can't run the lodges for them they can provide them guidance and they can give them uh material to use for education and what have you but they, they're not going to go in and run the lodge for them. They're going to have to learn how to do that themselves. Right. And, and it, it goes, you know, we, we talk about lodges merging or demising or, or what have you. And, and the reality is, is, is that it's of our own doing. It's not Grand Lodge that, that wants it. it right. Man, I, I was watching a documentary one time about, um, it, it was one of the Netflix ones on the, Grand Lodge of England and and they were talking about these these demise lodges and how they stamped the end of the lodge and you know and and it was just so heartbreaking just looking at that those old certificates from 200 years ago and and seeing them fold so you know the guy doesn't want to do it you know that the the grand master doesn't want to sign off on it but at some point if we don't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, what are we going to do? Yeah. yeah so, it, and, and I think that you're absolutely right with Grand Lodge, just like with lodges that we don't carry on our programs from master to master. I, when I, when I was put into the, the, the East, there was um, an older Mason that, that kept saying, you got one year. You only get one year. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you're absolutely right. But why are we not building on each other as we go and, yeah. and trying to, you know, and if, and if each master, if each master just brings in one new thing, then by within five years, you have all these new programs that are taking place and then make it, make it a real lodge vote to stop doing something and not just the new master saying, we're not going to do that this year. You know, that I think that in, if, if you were to do that, you would possibly keep yourself well-rounded and not so 
Yeah, well, you know, and it, it's the same way with the trustees. You've got five major trustees, seven, seven altogether, counting the treasurer and the secretary, but they need to coordinate with each other as they're moving through the line. You know, this is what I'm looking at and how can it fit in with what you're doing and how is it going to fit in with what the deputy grandmaster wants to do and how does it fit in with the current master? And let's just kind of keep some continuity going on with the, some of these programs that are that are really good, like this uh, Bring a Brother Back program is, is really good. Yes. And it needs, it needs to stay around. And I liked uh, Paul Underwood's uh, program of branding yourself, you know, wearing the shirts, wearing the caps. I, I wear the shirt or I wear a cap every day. Yes. But, uh, you know, it gets, gets us out there and lets people see who we are. And, uh, and of course, I've got sonic plates on both mine and Linda's cars. So, you know, so do I. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we get everybody to get some Masonic Lodge, Masonic Lodge uh, Grand Lodge gets money back from those plates every time you renew them. It's 20 something dollars, I think, every time you renew them. Yes. And, you know, all these people out here, $22 a piece, it's going to, it's added up money for the Grand Lodge. Absolutely. Another thing that that I do that's just passive income for for Grand Lodge and then also the Scottish Rite. I have I use one and and Lavinia uses the other. Um, that way on Amazon Smile, every time we purchase something, a percentage goes to Grand Lodge and a percentage goes to the Scottish Rite. So, you know, I'm I'm buying stuff for Freemasonry and I'm supporting Freemasonry as I go. A lot of those vendors aren't Masons. So, yeah, so you yeah. can at least, you can at least, you know, support yeah, your. Linda buys a lot of stuff on Amazon and it's all going into the smile thing. And yeah, she's, she's supporting. Yes, we, we do both. We, we do both so that we can, uh, so we can give extra. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with the endowed memberships. You know, we do the same thing with the letter. We say, look, we can use that per capita money towards our, our building fund, our, you know, our, you know, general treasurer's fund, if you'd like, or, or earmark it to the kitchen, whatever, whatever you want to do, do it. That's fine. If you, if you think we don't spend enough money here, then earmark it to that and it'll go to that. You know, that's. And and most of the time when you send those letters out, they send more than just per capita. You know, oh yeah, so oh yeah. A little bit here, extra here and there. So yes, a I, bit helps. I always tell people I'm I'm a hypocrite because I I say that endowments aren't the greatest idea in the world as far as how they've they've been, um, how they're marketed at this point. You know, you never have to pay dues again or whatever. You know, instead of saying when you pass away, it it really supports the lodge, and even then. It's not that much. So yeah. on your way through there, and, and I say I'm a hypocrite because I, I'm not totally for them, but I have them with all, with all my lodges. And the reason why is because I, I don't want to forget to bake that check. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, but on, on, the, on the other hand, I also make sure that every year, my lodge feels my contributions. I make sure that they know that I am there for them. I support them. And, and every master knows that comes through my lodge 
that, that I am there for them. And that's another thing, just verbal support, just telling that new master or that junior warden or senior warden, you know, be a mentor. You know, I, I wouldn't be half the man I am today if it wasn't for, for my mentors. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the master runs lodge. A lot of, a lot of lodges, you know, they say the secretary runs lodge. Well, I don't want to run the lodge. I've been right. I don't want to do it again. My uncle was a <clears throat> secretary at Harlandale Lodge in San Antonio for 38 years. And uh, that's uh, Gene Corn's home lodge. Right. And when, uh, <clears throat> when he was getting installed as grandmaster, I met him back in the back there and I was talking to him for a little bit. And I said, you know, my uncle was a member of your lodge. And he was secretary for like 30 something years. He said, oh, yeah, you're talking about Maxie Brooks. Uh, you know, me, uh, Uncle Max has been gone a long time. Uncle Max and my Aunt Irene raised my mother and her sister. Uh, my mother's dad passed, actually passed away three months before she was born. And her mother passed away when she was six. So they moved up to San Antonio and they, and Aunt Irene, Uncle Max uh, raised them. But uh, he was he was really big in the masonry in San Antonio. Years later, when Uncle Max was his last year as secretary, it was the year Gene Carnes was master. And, uh, you know, and he, he told uh, Gene Carnes, you know, people say that I run this lodge. I don't run this lodge. You run this lodge. You're the master. You need anything? You ask me, and I'll see if I can get it done. But I don't run this lodge. Right. So, you know, the... And again, it goes back to education. We need these masters to know what to expect when they get there. Secretaries and treasurer and all the other members, past masters, they're there to help, but they're not going to run the lodge for you. They've already been there, done that. Right, right. And it's important that that people know that they're supported like they are. You know, the yeah. worst the, the worst thing you can do is is have a new master and especially with a small lodge and throw him into the line. And then when he becomes master, all he sees is a bunch of cat fighting he, because everybody wants power. You know, he, yeah. the best thing is to just support him and, and, you know, help him to have the best year he can have. And that I kind of feel the same way with grandmasters as well. You know, let's, you know, let them have that's their year. Let them have the best year they can have. Do everything you can to make it feel special for them because they're working their tail off. They've been working their tail off. So, you know, when you're out there at the events, make it count. Make sure that they, you know, they feel appreciated for what they're what they're doing, what they've done. And and it's the same way with the masters. And 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 really, we can thank the, the secretaries and treasurers the same way. They just, you know, we just need to make sure that they understand that we, we, we are pr- truly appreciate them, but we don't think that they, that they, uh, they hold all power. Right, right. I agree. I agree. With that, I would, I, I gotta tell you, you know, you're, a, you've been a member of, of so many things and, and of course it, it makes sense that you're, you're high on education, you know, you join the Texas Lodge research. And I'm the same way. As soon as I heard about it, it's like, yes, yes, I want to join. So I, I, I totally get it. And then, you know, with, with all your different things that you've done as far as um, with York, Rite And Scottish, Rite And, and the shrine. um, Did you have any mentors that, that, kind of helped you along what what was your take how how what is your take on on 
a mentorship apprenticeship type type thing besides the guy that's teaching you your work yeah. going further um in whatever avenue it is what how do you feel well, about that besides, yeah besides my dad uh you know he was always getting making sure i was staying up with it and all but there were there were several people that uh that helped me along through the years uh, trying to think uh, well i tell you one that uh when I started this journey about three years ago was Mike Gower. Um, when I, I had people telling me I was, I was district deputy in 2013 with Walt Rogers. And that was one of the best years of my Masonic career. We had a blast. We went all over the state, but uh, the people kept telling me, you need to do that. No, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, got a little older and uh, retired and, uh, you know, I need something to do. And I'm into masonry. Is I want to do more for masonry. So that's when I decided to, to go this path. And Mike Gower was one of the first people I talked to. And uh, he told me, you come to San Antonio, we will have lunch, we'll talk. And uh, so I went down there and we had lunch and we talked for about two hours. But he started out and he says, he says I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to talk you into this madness and I won't talk you out of it. But this is what you've got to expect. This is what's going to happen. And you've got to be know what what you're going to need to be doing. And he says, and the first thing you need to do is check with Linda and make sure it's okay with her. I says, well, I've, I've talked to her and she's, she's okay with it. He says, when we get through talking, you go ask her. You go back and you tell her what we talked about. You ask her that question again because I'm going to ask you again. Yes. And, uh, so... You know, we talked I said, for about two hours. And, uh, when I went back, I talked to Linda for a while about it. She was still behind me all the way. So the next time I see my first course, first thing he said, after hi, George, was, you talked to Linda again? <laughs> yes, sir. What she say? He said, she's 100% behind me. He said, you got half the battle won. We, we can't do what we do without without the spouses and the, and the ladies in our lives. They, they uh, they support us a whole lot. They take care of kids while we're going to meetings and all this. Yes. So they they're very important to masonry. And uh, Linda's been all the state with me these last couple of years and gotten to know a lot of the other ladies that are out and around. And she's just she's having as much fun as I am. I think. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, you got to have their support. I I agree a hundred percent. My, my wife and daughter, I mean, you know, this, they, they travel with me everywhere. They're, they're hotel girls. They, they like it. As long as we have an indoor swimming pool, then, then they're in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we say at specific hotels all the time. And that way, you know, they're, they're, they always have something to do. Yeah, absolutely. So not only have you, have you, you know, this tremendously huge resume of, of, of Masonic um, things that you, that you've done. You've also, and and this is very important to me to touch on this because this is something that Masonic improvement is, is very, um, (sighs) Masonry is not just for the internal. It starts in the internal, but it's so that we can take it out to the world. 
Now, you personally, you you you're a, a a board member of the of the the alumni for for UT band. Is that correct? Yes. You're you're on the the you're a trustee for the <coughs> Scottish Ride. Is that correct? Yes, Scottish Ride yeah. Hospital. Uh, uh, and and then um, what 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 other things have you have you done on you know besides just strictly Masonic? Because I see um, just a a plethora of of things that you do that are so important to our communities and to our schools and and to you know the people around you. I I am so proud to know you that you know you have really embraced Freemasonry and, and taking that to be the leader in your community that you need to be. I, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, those things. Well, like I said, I uh, played in the Longhorn band at UT and I've been a member of the alumni band since 1972, 73. And I've been an officer in that organization since 1983. And I've served uh, as what we call an Austin area rep. I get groups together to play for different functions. Uh, we play for weddings. We play for birthdays. We played for uh, we played for funerals. You know, very fun. But uh, and our our goal in that is we get donations to our scholarship fund. I've served on the board of directors for four years there, and I served on the board of trustees for four years. And the trustees manage a scholarship fund about one and three quarter million dollars wow and last last month we gave out over three hundred thousand dollars in uh, scholarships to members of the longhorn band wow. and our our goal is to eventually give every member of that band a scholarship including incoming freshmen wow you know, incoming freshmen may not get quite as much as some of the ones that have been around a while but every little bit helps you know yes yes it does i can tell you it does <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we we're a worldwide organization. We have over four thousand members worldwide. We've uh, we went over to uh, London for the New Year's parade a few years ago. Uh, we went to Normandy uh, for the seventy fifth anniversary of Normandy a couple of years back. And when I was in the band, we went to Peru and marched in the bull ring, which was very cool. <laughs> very but, uh, cool. But it's it's been a it's been a great experience. I always tell people if I could go to UT and do nothing playing Longhorn Band, I'd probably still be going. Nice, it's a great organization. I got to meet great people, just like Masons, you know. And uh, a lot of the a lot of my good friends are members of the Longhorn Band because that's who, who I hung out with for all those years. I served as president of that organization from two thousand five to two thousand six, and uh, it's. It's just been, again, another big part of my life, just like masonry. But and I've talked to a lot of people in the Longhorn Band about masonry. I talked to a lot of people in masonry about the Longhorn Band. Too. Yes, I can talk all day about those two. Subjects. Absolutely. We had a we had a mason in Austin, Moton uh, Crockett. He was he was a big Longhorn Band guy. He was in the band in the forties. He was a drum major, and he was actually director of Longhorn Band from fifty to fifty five. Before Vincent Benito came, he's the one that went to Chicago and brought Big Bertha down to UT. Mm. So, and myself and uh, 
Moten and, and another gentleman have uh, set up a little fund for the preservation of Big Bertha. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Brock has passed away, but uh, so we, me and this other gentleman are kind of keepers of Big Bertha and we've got a fund set up to take care of her, but they're getting ready to retire the one that we've got. It's, the drum's almost a hundred years old. Wow. And uh, they're, they've collected uh, money to build a new drum, another big, huge drum. And they, right. they've collected over $450,000. We, you know, Masons are very generous and, and all, but uh, the Longhorn Alumni Band is very generous too. <laughs> We give, a, we give a lot of money to the university and to the band for scholarships and things like building the new Big Bertha and taking the band to these London and Germany and Peru. Yes. And uh, so it's it's been a been a great great adventure and I've I've, always, I've loved Longhorn Band almost much as Masonry, but uh, you know I've been a, been a Mason as long as I've been a member of that group as well. So. Uh, just uh, I like being in part of a group that, that does things like that. Uh, I also uh, have my own little karate program that I teach. Yes, uh, I saw that. Yeah, well, it started out as as a PE class at one of the high schools. Uh, myself and the SRO there at the uh, school resource officer at one of the high schools decided we'd get a PE class together. Because I remember walking in there and walking through the gym, and there was 40 or so kids in there. There's about three of them doing what the coach was doing. The rest of them were just sitting there. I said, <laughs> yes. He says, all we got to do is have them show up. We can't make them do anything. So right. Let's get them to doing something. And, and we, we got several of them come in there to try it out. And two, two kids in particular, they were kind of as the about even going in the gym. Are you going there? No, you're going in there. No. So we got them in there. Those two kids actually turned out to be two of our best students. Nice. Uh, at that time, uh, I belonged to a, a another organization that my oldest son wanted to do it back when he was six years old. And I used to go watch him and they talked me into joining. So uh, told them, you know, okay, I'll try it. And say, okay, I don't like it. Leave me alone. But <laughs> right. I'm still trying to figure out whether I like it or not. But we uh, that that program kind of fell apart when, uh, and then so we started another organization, and it it went along for a few years, and it started to kind of fall apart. So myself and uh, the gentleman from Reagan went to uh, started this program in the gym. So we had our own our own little program for about a year there, and then. The one that we left previously, the school district decided that uh, they had some problems and they didn't want them back in the school. So the principal of one of these elementary schools that our lodge supports with uh, fantastic teeth and what have you. Yes. Called me one time and asked me, uh, would I be interested in bringing my program over there? Because they, they'd had the program and everybody loved it. And he loved it. He was actually part of our group. And uh, so I did, and that was in 2000. We're still over there. We're not getting as much in as we can, but we we still try to get out there and when we can. It's all this COVID stuff over with. Right. I love teaching the kids. It's it's a great thing. We have a few parents that join it too. Very cool. It's it's a lot of fun. 
if William Batters is out there listening, then then he yeah. should definitely pay attention to this because he. Uh, <laughs> I think he could follow your lead. You could be a mentor to him for for something like that. That would be awesome. Yeah, I've seen his post. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes. So we were talking earlier before before the the interview, and and we were. I was asking you about. Um, one of what, what resolutions stuck out in your mind and you had immediately um, responded the, the one that our grand treasurer submitted um, past master Rick Townsend, right? Washful Rick Townsend. And I'm going to read this real quick so that our viewers know what it is because we're trying to express, you know, you know, let, let guys hear what these we've, what these resolutions are and, and here are a couple of ideas on how we feel about it. And then that way they can form their own opinions before they, they go to grand lodge and before they debate it in their, in their own lodge with, with the rest of the members of their lodge. Um, so the, the resolution is resolution number 26. It's the very last one. Whereas Article 163B and 318A of the Laws of Grand Lodge of Texas provide for the establishment, operation, and management of endowed memberships, and such articles additionally specify various duties of the Grand Lodge trustees as to the calculation of the annual distributions made from the endowed membership fund to the subordinate lodges of the Grand Lodge of Texas from such fund. And whereas the annual distribution made to the subordinate lodges on account of endowed membership provide vital financial support uh, to such lodges. And whereas predictably and reliability of such annual distribution is critical to the subordinate lodges in planning their annual budgets, the amount of whereas the amount of each annual distribution should not be reduced or restricted if the long-term viability of the fund is not jeopardized. They need to fix some spelling errors in here. Yeah. And whereas regular fixed annual withdrawals of 5% from the down fund will not jeopardize its long-term growth. And whereas the Grand Lodge of Texas has implemented modern cash management practices, which have reduced the or eliminated the administrative costs of paying annual distributions from endowed membership fund to subordinate lodges. Lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So basically that's the gist of it. So <coughs> he's proposing that therefore it be resolved that 163B and 318A uh, be amended as follows. 163B, the endowed membership fund will consist of all monies received by the Grand Lodge for the purpose of purchasing the endowment memberships. It goes on, you know, we all know what that does. And they're taking out the part that says, unless specifically authorized by a two-third majority vote of the Grand Lodge, no part of the principal amount of the endowed membership shall be used for any purpose except investment and reinvestment. And only then after due notice shall it be given to the lodges as members of Article 172. All income earned from the investment fund, less any administrative fees by the by these laws shall be annually distributed to the lodge of article 318 of these laws such administrative fees shall be placed at at least annually okay so 
And basically what they're saying is that it has to be assessed, voted on, and then put the fees on top of or subtract that from what goes back to the lodges currently. That's currently the law. law. And what they're, what they're wanting to do now, it goes further down to say that the value of the units each year at their full market value of a distribution of 5% of the average value of the units, which it used to be 3%, I, I believe, wasn't it? Well, what, what it was. Actually, was, it was a percent. Go ahead. Yeah. If the value of the units went below a hundred dollars, they could, they could lower the distribution to 3%. Okay. He wants to take right. that out and make it 5%. Every year you're going to get 5% return on your endowments. Um, there's also another line down in the law that a lot of people forgot about was the lodges were actually paying a fee to have the checks printed and mailed. And he's going to take that out. He's found a company in California that does it more efficiently and a lot cheaper. So the lodges aren't out that little fee. I mean, may not be a whole lot, but when you start adding up a bunch of endowments, it comes, it comes out to a little bit. Oh yeah. So they're taking that, that out and they're going to be the distribution fee will be 5% period. There's no dropping it down if the value goes down. And he says that can be sustained by the uh, by the savings alone and savings then, alone yeah. from the thing. So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what he does. And I'm I'm all for that. I mean, it's helping the lodges. <clears throat> yes. I, I would like to say I would like to say that I'm against it just so that we can have debate, but I can't say that, you know, that not only does, does it help the lodges with the, with a bigger distribution, but it, it, I think, I think the, the value of utilizing technology, the way, the way that, that it's available to us, it, I think the leadership showing that it, it's, it's a value and showing that you know you can you can actually increase by by decreasing some of the 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 old habits that we have um i think it's 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 leadership by example and and i think more lodges should consider that and and start focusing on going into a digital world with their with their finances strictly because it does save money it also it also has so many other benefits like making making it easier to pay dues making it easier for me to give $100 to the lodge instead of instead of you know that 2750 for the for the per capita do you have any other thoughts on that or well, no I, like i said uh, i know uh right worshipful Townsend's done a, done a lot of work on this thing and got the figures down and Said I've been to these trustees meeting. I've heard him explain how it's going to work, and it's going to work, and it's going to be a good, good thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I I agree wholeheartedly. <clears throat> We've also started embracing that with our lodge. Um, our website has when we update our lodge uh, calendar, uh, and it's free through Gmail. When we update our lodge calendar, it automatically looks updates on the website so everybody can see what we're doing you know there's 
and and not only our lodge but the district. So it's sure that, that that's something I'd like to see. Kind of we can implement that too is getting all these lodges to have a website. And I've talked to the internet committee, uh, Craig Enderley and that bunch, and they're willing to help anybody set one up, just a simple one that, you know, you've got a calendar and you can put events in it and keep your officers up. I've seen some of these websites that I go to visit and I pull up websites, see what the lodge like, and their officers are still on there from 2016. You know? <laughs> yes. So, yes. <clears throat> we need – we need people that uh, can update these things. And again, this comes back to the younger guys with the technology. Absolutely. Give there, them something can... to do. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to see every lodge have a website so that they can. And the other thing is a lot of them need to upgrade to uh, update their information to Grandview. Yes. A couple of lodges I've looked up the address and I go there and uh, it's not here. So, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, one of them I did that too was a small town, so it just took me a few minutes to drive around and find all the cars parked up. That's exactly. Yep. Yep. But but the building they took me to had still had the square and compass on the top of it, but it wasn't there. Right. So, you know, we need to we need to make sure these lodges are updating their information on Grandview. Yes, and it's so easy now, which is oh yeah. You know, Justin Duty has done just a miraculous job oh. with Grand Lodge you know, <laughs> Secretary's office and. You know the and and all the people that that work with them, he, they're doing such a great job. You know, Absolutely. updating Grandview and getting things going and, and getting so many documents into PDF form and and making it so much easy easier for for our secretaries. And then not only that, but they have all the training online, mm-hmm. and you know you can you can spend at least four days that I know of solid of just training <laughs> yeah. with all the stuff that you can do as a secretary or treasurer yeah 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 just just done a phenomenal job yes you gotta really give him and his his staff credit they're doing a great job is there anything else that you would like to close with is there is there anything that that you would like to get out there that that we haven't really touched on. We've touched on a lot. We really have. This has been a fun interview. This has been fun. Is there, is there anything that you would like to, to close with before we, before we finish our, our time together? Well, I, I would just like to uh, say that I've, I've enjoyed this tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not much for being on the, uh, TV type thing. I, when I was a policeman, and they the TV crews would come up to us at a one of the instances of fatalities or something we were working on. I'd say, "Go talk to the guy with the stripes," you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's been fun, and, and masonry has has helped me do that. Uh, of course, being a policeman helped too. But because uh, I was I was kind of shy in high school, you know. But uh, masonry's yes. kind of brought that out of me, and I would have never thought you know, 47 years ago that I would be in the position that I'm at right now. You know, right. I was, I was happy just to do my Masonic stuff and keep on moving, but uh, it's come to this position and I, you know, I'm excited about it, uh, but uh, it's going to be, going to be a journey. I've still got all the ways to go, but uh, masonry has kind of brought me out of my shell 
and of course, like police work did too. I mean, you got to learn to talk to people in police work, and I and I get that, and I learned to talk to people in masonry and about masonry, and it's just been it's just been a great adventure, you know. And I just want to uh, work for the Grand Lodge of Texas and the Masons of Texas, and work with the trustees, you know, get to make the fraternity stronger and better. And let's get some get some better men, get some good men in, and help them. Maybe some of them are need to come out of their shell too, you know. Because, <clears throat> like I said, me standing in front of a bunch of uh, people and talking when I was in high school, that yeah, that's not going to happen. But you know, now right. I feel pretty good about it, and and I enjoy it. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. I do appreciate you uh, inviting me to come on this thing. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. and uh, We'll uh, maybe do it again sometime. Absolutely. We definitely will. And, and I would like to, you know, piggyback on, on what you're saying there because you're, you know, that's the, the, um, the idea behind Masonic improvement is is not just to make good men better but to make lodges better and to you know make our fraternity better and we only do that by by being well-rounded and and offering so many different things and and creating the value and the excitement in our lodges that 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 we ought to be doing and it's and it's nice to see that men like yourself that um have been working in different leadership um, positions have, have really embraced that and, and believe in it and understand the importance of, of, uh, of, of being well-rounded and, and creating that value, especially for, for the young guys that are going to be the next thing we, as, as mentors, we need people to mentor. Sure, they're, they're, they're the future of masonry, you know, and, we're going to have to hand it over to them and they're going to carry it on. I hope for many generations to come. Absolutely. I'd like Absolutely. to see them actually in here 20th generation base and what these days, you know, but, uh, the, the young guys, that's, that's the future of our fraternity. So yes. We need, to, we need to work with them and, and, uh, listen to what they've got to say and get them to kind of listen to the old guys too. So like, Oh said, Yeah. Yes. Keep it all together. And that's, that's kind of what our goal is, is to try to, to, to help with that process and, and remind both sides that, you know, we all have value to bring. We just got to bring it. And that's a lot of the problem is that we don't bring it. And then we wonder why it it happened the way it happened. And and so it's, it's ultimately up to us, you know, one of the, one of the things that I had mentioned on the last one in, in, in closing with this as well is, is that, you know, there's guys out there that, you know, feel like they're on, on an Island, you know, that's sometimes you're like in, especially like in country lodges, you're looking for that education. You're looking for different things and you're traveling. I travel to San Antonio and, and do a lot of, of uh stuff and and i bring it back to our lodges but but you know we travel to to uh get everything that we can out of freemasonry 
And, and one thing we want to touch on is that if the purpose of Masonic improvement is if, if you feel like you're on an Island, let us know. We will yeah. get you in touch with the George Moxley's out there. Yeah. We will get you in touch with the, with the Billings and the, and we'll, or whoever, like the, you know, Yeti, Yeti Berryman, yeah. you know, we'll get you, we'll get you in touch with guys that, that are really fascinating people that can, that can, um, depending on whatever your, your tastes are and what you're looking for, you know, we can, we can help you with that because it's important that we, that we capitalize on, on what makes us excited because that's what drives us. It's that sure. passion you were talking about. Right. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Brother George, this is, this has been a, a, a very, very interesting interview. I, I really enjoyed spending time with you tonight yeah, and, and really, enjoyed in, it. yes, yes. And we will definitely have to do this again soon. We can do that. <laughs> you just let me know when and where and I'll be there. Yes, sir. And, and uh, with that being said, I'm going to close out this episode of, of Masonic Improvement and, and thank you all for listening. It's a blast to do it. We hope that it's, it's, it's encouraging for you. And I'm certainly glad that, that we're fortunate enough to have people like George Moxley to, to talk to. And, and we have several other um, guys lined up in the future that are, that are going to be brothers, I should say, not guys, brothers in the future. And, and, and we hope you stay tuned and, and uh, give us a good listen. Y'all take care and have a good evening.